upright, O oh God. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. Praise God. Hallelujah. By faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. You may be seated. Amen. We want to get right in our lesson. It's good to have everybody in the house of the Lord tonight. Remember these prayers. Amen. And also, you have our prayer focus this month. We're praying for the prayers of thanksgiving. And so that's where we are. So did everybody get a lesson? Brother Wayne, did I give you a lesson? Did you get one when you came in? Did I hand you one when you came in? Give this one to your mom, too. So. Give that one to your mom. Okay, we want to get right into our lessons tonight. Amen. Now, last month we was talking about wisdom. Amen. So hopefully uh, in your study in the book of Proverbs, as I would encourage you to read the book of Proverbs. Amen. Because Solomon lets us know without wisdom, man, we're lost. <laughs> you know, the second chapter of Proverbs, Solomon puts it this way. He says, when wisdom is in your heart, when you get wisdom is in your heart and, and knowledge is present, what happens? Distression will preserve you. Amen. It, the discretion will surround you. You will have the wisdom and the knowledge to make right choices and right decisions in life. As a child of God, the goal here is to begin to walk on a higher plane. See, and that's why we're, if you go back and if you look at the lessons that you've, we've covered this year, they're, they're overlapping each other because God desires us to move to a higher plane. God does not want us to stay where he finds us. And wisdom is so essential to you as a child of God, especially in today's time. When you look at 2 Timothy uh, 3, Paul said, This know also in the last time perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own self, blasphemous, proud, disobedient as parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, uncontinence. You know, he goes on, he lists all these things, and we can look at that passage of Scripture and see what is taking place. And then he also told Titus, his other protege, you know, in Second Titus, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Did Titus to teach those things that become what? Sound doctrine sound doctrine amen and he goes on and talk about the young man how he should conduct himself notice the age men to be sober be grave be tempered be sound in the faith and charity and patience see notice what he's trying to get us to be that the age women likewise that they be in behavior as becoming holiness not false accusers not giving much wine teachers of good things you know that they may teach the young women how to be sober, to love their husband, to love their children, to be discreet. Notice, there's that word, to be discreet, comes from discretion, see? And so they got to have that wisdom here. Every child of God has got to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding to know what you're doing, what you're doing, and why you're doing it. We got to get to that plane. Young men like with all to be sober-minded. You know, we got to be alert. There's so many snares and potholes and things. You know, uh, we were studying our this morning in our devotion, and, and the psalmist says, "Lord, teach me to ponder my steps. 
You know, think about where you're going. Think about what you're doing. Think about where you're walking, you know, because there's pitfalls. The enemy is, is setting traps, you know, and, and he, he wants to snare you. I remember in Vietnam, that was one of the key things. They kept pounding in on my head and pounding in us to watch where you're walking because the enemy would, would, would dig pit holes and they would put pingy pits. Uh, you know, they would take reeds and they would cut reeds and, and, and slant them and cut them and then they dip them in poison and they stick them in the ground so that if you stepped in a pit or if you fell in the pit, once you fell on those sharp uh, reeds, it was pursed into you and into your feet or whatever and automatically you got poison in your body. And so the likelihood of you retaining uh, that part of your body uh, probably wasn't going to happen. So he was designed to maim you and lame you and and cause fear in you. And so they pounded that into it. So the psalmist says, Lord, teach me to ponder my steps. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? What you're doing? Where are you going? You know, where are you walking? You know, walk worthy of the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. We've got to keep our eyes on the Lord. God wants us to mature. He wants us to have this understanding. And that's why the Word of God is given for us. So it teaches us to how to live right and to do right and to, to be right. Amen. Like I was preaching Sunday, you know, in Haggai, the Lord said, consider your ways, you know. He says, you know, you, you're eating and you, don't, you ain't got enough to eat. You're drinking and you're not filled. You know, you, you're putting on clothes and you're still cold. You know, you, you're going to work and your money is, is, is still going through holes, a bag with a hole in it. Your money ain't doing what it's supposed to be doing. So God said, you need to consider your ways. And that's what the psalmist has said. Teach me how to ponder my steps, you know. Make sure you're in the right path. See, the Lord said to Jeremiah 6, 16, he said, stand you and ask, where's the old path? Where's the good way? And walk in it, and you're going to find peace and rest to your soul. You know, we got to stand that right path. You know, that's why the Psalms to that song we sang, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, I trust in thee. Show me thy way. Lord, teach me thy path. Amen. So we've got to have wisdom. I'm here to tell you, you know, as a child of God, discretion seems to be gone. You know, you know, if you look at 1 Corinthians 6, 12, Paul says, all things are expedient, <laughs> but all things don't edify me. See, so just because everybody's doing it don't mean I'm in the right road. You know, so we have to have wisdom. We've got to have knowledge. And now we want to talk about the purpose for spiritual Maturity. Second Peter three verse eighteen says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. To him be glory both now and amen forever. Amen. Notice he says, Grow, 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 mature, grow up. <laughs> it's time to be no longer children. Paul says, When I was a child, I Spake as a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. He says, but when I became a man, he says, I got rid of childish things. And we're taught some of that in this lesson. Amen. But we've got to grow. We've got to grow. Okay. So, and, and goes on. So what is the purpose for spiritual maturity? 
Spiritual maturity is so we can become more like Christ so that he can fulfill his purpose in us. God has got a purpose for your life. He's chosen you for a purpose. And so, therefore, you need to know what that purpose is so that he can begin to work it in you and he can bring to fruition what he wants to do in your life. As he told Jeremiah, he says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Thoughts of not evil, but thoughts of good to bring you what? An expected end. God wants to do something great through you. That's why he pours you out. When he walked by the seashore and he calls the disciples, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. God has got a purpose for your life. Amen. He wants to take you to a higher plane than where he found you. He wants you to be able to see what he can do with you. He wants to be able, as he told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18, when he sent him down to the potter's house, he says, you go down to the potter's house and I will speak to you. You'll get my word there. And Jeremiah goes down there and he says, and I saw the potter was doing the work. On the wheel, and he and the clay was marred in his hand. And what he do? He made it again, a vessel, amen, for honor. And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy in Second Timothy two. He says, you know, if you purge yourself, then you can become a vessel of honor, fit for the master's use. And God's got a purpose for us, amen. So God wants to fulfill this purpose in our life. If the fruit of the Spirit isn't evidence in our lives. We may not be growing and maturing. Amen. Remember what Jesus says in John 15. I am the vine. You are the branch. The fruit is found on the branch, not on the vine. So what is in God? What comes through that tree is all the nutrients is coming up out of the ground. And as a result, they're coming through the vine and going out into the branch to produce the fruit. Amen. When you look at Isaiah 53, the Bible says he shall grow up as a before us as a tender plant and and as a root out of the dry ground. Amen. And so Christ in you, amen, should be being revealed, the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, the temperance. These are outward manifestations of what's on the inside, the fruit of the spirit. Amen. And then the same thing, that outward manifestation also of the gifts of the Spirit, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, working of miracles, discerning of spirits, healing, faith, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. These things should be evident in you as a child of God. You should be seeking God for the gifts of the Spirit, to be used by God in the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ. You should be on your face before God, seeking Him. God, I want to be used mightily in the gifts. Whatever you want, whichever you want. If you want to give me all nine, give me all nine. If you want just me to have just one, give me that one. But let me be according to your spirit and your will. Amen. We've got to grow. So is the fruit evident in you? Amen. Are you dependable? Are you accountable? All these things. Can others see Christ in you, the hope of glory? What did Jesus say in John, Matthew 13, I mean 5, 13, 14? He says, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, well, where is it going to be salt? It's good for nothing to be thrown out and let men walk all over you. See, salt changes things. Nothing changes salt. Salt changes everything else. 
That's why Jesus calls you salt, because he's in you. And salt is good. That's why I, I get upset every time somebody tells me, what a doctor says I'm having too much salt. It's bad for you. I said, no, he don't. No, I didn't. So he said, my Bible says, through Jesus, salt's good. So how is I going to let some man tell me he's bad for me? You know? God says it's good. You just have to learn how to use it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. You need some wisdom. Automatic, if I sit and kick, stick my head in the sugar jar and eat nothing but sugar all day long, I'm going to have a problem. I need some wisdom somewhere to pull my head out. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Praise God. So is the fruit evident in your life? Amen. If not, we may not be growing. The Apostle Paul told the church in Hebrews, he says, For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which is the first principles of the oracles of God. Amen. The first principles are things that you learn as soon as you come into church. You know you got to have faith. <laughs> See, that's the first principle. Amen. You have to first believe. He that cometh to God, Hebrews 11, 6, must believe that he is and that he's the order for them that seek him. So you, first principle is faith. You've got to believe it. Second, repentance. You've got to turn from your wicked ways. You've got to do a U-turn. As we say in the army, you've got to do a bow face. Amen. You've got to repent. You know, water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's the principle. That's the basic principle. And filling the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's the principle. Living holy and godly and separated life and word. That's the basic principles of the church. See? And we're going to do those things. That's what Paul is saying in the 6th chapter of Hebrews 6. He said, we're going to do that. That's a given. Because those are the basic things they taught you. So now you, he says, but let's go on to what? Perfection. There's more. See, I got the basic stuff, but there's a higher plane. There's a higher calling. You know, as, 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 as John is in the book of Revelation, what does he hear the guy say? Come on up, John. <laughs> and I'm going to show you. Come on up. I'm going to show you. Get higher. You know, we need to go up higher. Jesus took the disciples up on the top of Mount Transfiguration and he exposed more to them. If you stay on the lower ground, you ain't going to know. If you stay with the basics, you're not going to grow. See? So notice what Paul says, amen, those first principles. He says, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be out teaching people. Amen. Which has become the first principle of the work of God. And are become as needing of Milk. Notice milk and not strong meat for everyone that is uses milk is unskillful and the words of righteousness. See, we're taught at the earliest stage to put on the whole arm of God and to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We have to learn how to do what is right. See? We've been so used to doing so wrong. <laughs> now it's time to learn how to do what is right. Because God is a God of righteousness. See, God isn't wrong. He's right. <laughs> you 
liberals are left, right? <laughs> Come on. No, I just messed up. Amen. But we got to learn how to do what is right. Because that is the white linen that the Bible speaks of. The white linen that you're going to be robed in is going to be given only because you're right. Righteousness exalted a nation, uh, some said, but uh, what? But sin is a reproach to any people. We've got to learn how to do what is right. It's not hard to do what is right. Believe me, if i got the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost leads me, I'm going to do what is right. Come on, it's not hard. We're maturing. We're growing. You know, how many of you parents told your kids, grow up? You ever had to holler at your kids and tell them to grow up? Huh? I know, I used to tell mine that, grow up. You know? And I'm sure if you got kids, you're going to use that, you're going to use that phrase to your kid at one time or another. Well, if we wanted them to grow up, shouldn't we grow up? Shouldn't we mature? Should not we be examples to them so that they know what to do is right? Come on, grow up. That's right, mature. Amen. You know, that's why they say one of the reasons the world has got so many problems, babies is having babies. We've got to grow up. Amen. Because notice what Paul says, they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. See? In other words, we've got to get into this book. That's like last month when we were talking about wisdom. Wisdom teaches you how to do what is right versus doing what is wrong. See, God doesn't want his children struggling. He don't want his children to be oscillating back and forth and carried away by, as Paul says, by every wind of doctrine and every wind of teaching. He wants us to grow up into him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. He wants us to know him in the fullness of his deity. He wants us to know who he is and so that we can mature and be what he wants to be in us so he can complete his purpose in us. He's not going to impart to you things if you're not maturing and growing. See, you've got to grow here. Notice what he says. Milk belongs to who? Babies. Babies. See, that's why babies drink milk so that their bones can get strong. Now, if you have a child and that kid is still on a bottom two, three years down the road and he ain't crawling, walking, and all he's doing is crawling on the floor and there's no what is it, abnormalities, you're going to be concerned. Well, it's the same way in the church. After you've been here for a while, if I don't see you growing, I'm concerned. I get very concerned. See? If I know you got the Holy Ghost and I know you're supposed to know what is right and you aren't growing and you aren't involved, I'm concerned. Because there's something that's choking the word out of you. That's what Jesus said in Luke 8. He said, soil went forth to sow seed, and some fell by the wayside. Some fell among the rocks. Some fell among thorns. And some fell on good ground. See? And when he explained it, he said, they by the wayside, are they, they hear the word, but before they can receive it and it can take root, the devil takes it away. Otherwise, you get distracted. See? And then he said, they on the rock, they hear the word, they receive it, but as soon as they start having trials, it gets sucked out of them. 
and then they among the thorns, they got all the cures of the world going on. And it chokes the word out of them. Then they eat it on the good ground, they receive it, and they grow. See? So as a babe, you want to continue to move on. Amen. You don't want to stay in that state here. Amen. So we need to uh, grow. We need to eat some steak. You know, you need to eat some prime rib and, you know, T-bones and, you know, chicken, alakine and all that stuff, you know. Yeah, you want you want to be able to use your teeth. That's what God gives you teeth for, you know, so you can chew some 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 meat. Yeah, pork chop, gnaw some bones. You know, that's that's what He wants. You know, He wants you to be able to gnaw some rib bones and stuff. You know, is is what God desires. But if you want milk all the time, that's that's not good. Yeah. So we we got to get a. It, isn't it amazing that us humans, the only one that stays on milk, all the rest of God creation, they get off of it as quickly as possible. Mama pig and mama dog and everybody and cows, they kick their kids away from them. We just keep drinking milk. <laughs> and they make them get over there and eat their own slop and everything, right? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. But we, but we got to grow here. Amen. The, but strong meat belong to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses. Notice, senses exercise to discern good from evil. How's your senses? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you got to have good common sense. That's why discretion is needed. So do you make right choices? You know, I go right back again. How many of your parents ever told your kids, ain't you got no sense? Huh? (laughs) Come on. If we're going to tell them these things, we got to have good sense too. Our sense is to exercise good from evil. Amen. Come on. Let's get where God wants us to be. There are so many deep and inspirational mysteries in God's word, which we should search into so that we may stand complete and the whole will of God. Deep, call it upon deep at the noise of the water spout. There are deep mysteries. Paul says the mystery of the gospel You know, he told Timothy, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received back in the glory. The mystery, there's deep hidden things in this book. You've got to search. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Search the scripture, Jesus said. Get in there. Amen. There's lots of great things in there. Like I was sharing the other day with Psalms 118. The Lord's on my side. I'm not going to fear. And like the scripture we read in Isaiah, what did the Lord tell him? He says, I told you not to fear. So why are you fearing? You know, people are fearing. And, and as you fear, it, it causes torment, John says. You don't want to fear. Amen. So you got to learn these things. There's so many deep inspirational mysteries 
in God's Word. Amen. We need to search this stuff out. Amen. If you find a treasure in the field, Jesus says you'll sell everything you got and go buy it. And that's what you want to do. Your answer to your problem is in that book. I'm here to tell you, it's in there. You're going to have to find it. I can't find it for you. One of the reasons because you won't tell me all the problems. <laughs> you give me bits and pieces. You know, but if you get in there for yourself, I guarantee you, you're going to find the answer to what you're going through. It's there. He didn't leave anything uncovered. It is there for you. So get in there. There's so much deep inspiration. And I guarantee you, when you hit that thing, you're going to know it's just for you and what you needed to hear. And you're going to probably stand up, lift your hands to heaven and go, praise God. You know? Look what the Lord has done. Look what he's shown me. Amen. There's so much deep stuff in there. Some people, instead of going forward in Christian knowledge, forget the very first principles that they had learned long ago, and they never mature. See, because it's compound, it builds on one another. You hear me say all the time, the first thing you need to know is who Jesus Christ is, because other than that, that's where everything flows from. If you don't know him in his fullness, in his deity, you'll struggle in every area of your life. You're O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You've got to know him. This thing wasn't done in a corner, Paul says. Amen. You've got to search it out. Praise God. So don't, you've got to go forward. You've got to make up in your mind. I'm not staying where God found me. I'm going to move forward. It is a sin and a shame for a person that are, are men and women for their age and standing in the church at, to be children and babes in understanding. It's a sin. We, we need to mature. We need to grow. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, temperance. Temperance, patience. Patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that liketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brother, give your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never fall. And you have an entrance right into heaven. And that's where we're going. Higher planes. Amen. You want to grow. You want to mature. Amen. So it's, it's a shame if you are a babe in Christ forever. You don't want to stay a babe. It's so good to see you. <laughs> Amen. You don't want to stay a babe forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It is a sin, as I said here. Amen. Notice what Paul says for Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He's a baby. Those that are babes are unskillful in the word of unrighteousness. Paul says that we must be fed with milk, that they must be entertained with the plainness of truths. Amen. In other words, if we're, if we're here's some more copies up here. If, if we're if we are if we're still babes and we're on milk, amen. Here. We we're, we got to feed you the basics again. See, we don't want you to stay on the basics. We want you to have meat. I want you to grow. I want you to mature in righteousness, Paul says. 
Amen. Now, don't get me wrong. As, as I said here in my lesson, Christ don't despise you because you're a baby. He doesn't. He loves babies. Matter of fact, what did he say? Except you become as a child, you can't get into heaven. He loves you, but he don't expect you to stay there. He finds us all as babies. But then he expects us to mature and to grow. Amen. And he provides us those, that food, that suitable food for us so that we can grow. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have Bible lessons. That's why, if you notice in, in, in Ephesians 4, notice how God prepares. He says he gave some what? Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what? The perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the fullness of the statue of Christ, that we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. See, in the church, if you ever notice sometimes, I bring an evangelist in here. Sometimes I bring a teacher in here. See, it's all to build us together. Because sometimes if I'm preaching, you might miss some of the things I'm saying. You know, or sometimes as a pastor, I might hit you hard and you get mad at me, you know. But then again, I get a teacher that comes in here and they're nice-hearted and mild-mannered and they present it to you and y'all go, oh! <laughs> <You know? laughs> Altars are full and I preach my heart out and I'm sweating all over the place. Ain't nobody coming to the altar, you know. I said, what am I, chopped liver, you know? <laughs> but amen. But praise God. Amen. But, but Christ does not expect us to stay there. Amen. So he wants us to grow. We should grow up and move on unto maturity. So how do you plan to mature spiritually in the next 12 months? Think about that question there in your paper for a minute. How, next 12 months. Now, we know we have goals in this church. And we got some basic goals. Read your Bible through every year, right? That's a measurable goal. You know why? Because if you start in January the 1st and come December the 31st and you look back and say, man, I read my Bible through this year. That's a goal. You know you did it. That's measurable. That's obtainable. Bring one person to church. If I invite one person to church and they show up, man, I met that goal. Twelve, Twelve scriptures to memorize, monthly themed scriptures. At the end of December, you can look back and say, man, I remembered all 12 of those scriptures. You met that goal. Right? Man, we had church. I was at every service. You met the goal. That means, guess what? You're growing. Those are indications to you I'm growing. You may not understand it all while you're doing it, but I guarantee you, as the Lord said, my word is not going to return void. It's going to accomplish what I send it to do. You hide God's word in your heart and seed on it makes a difference. I guarantee you. Because there will be time that you will need courage to stand against opposition and things that come against you. And you're going to know what the word of God says. Amen. It is, I'm here to tell you, God wants us to grow. Amen. So how are you going to grow the next month? I had to start asking myself that question to ensure that at the end of every year, I was growing spiritually. I had to make that choice myself. People like to say, you the pastor, you got to. Hold on, I, can, I make choices just like everybody else do. But every year, I have to make that choice for myself. 
You know, I could say to myself, man, I've read this thing through 30 times. You know, I've read it through every year since I've been saved. So why do I need to read it again? You know, but I'm here to tell you, every year I read something different and I get different insight and different enlightenment. You can go back and listen to some scriptures that I have preached from the same passage and you will find that I use different things out of the same passage of scripture because God's word is light and he reveals more to me. Amen. Praise God. And he will do the same to you as you study, as you grow. You watch. You may not understand it all when you start, but I guarantee you he's going to bring it on to fruition in your life. So I had to ask my question, myself these questions, amen, year by year, amen, of lack of spiritual growth and maturity in our life. But you'd be surprised how quickly a year passed. Next month's December. Where did he go? just seemed like yesterday I was at a Chevrolet stove with my brother Richard. You know, here it is, ready to come on us again. Where did the year go? Amen. It's amazing how quick a year can pass, and we have not memorized one scripture. We have not taught one Bible study. We have not comfort, comfort, uh, confronted a habitual wrong in our lives. You can read that on your paper, right? We haven't shared the gospel or taught a Bible study with any unbelievers. We have without having experienced a point or a walk with God that lights a fire under us and make us see that we need to make a difference. Okay? And so these are things that we're not careful. for. It sneaks up. You know, and, and at the end of the year, you know you what you say, oh, man, I was going to read my Bible this year. And next thing you know, the year's gone. See? Yeah, it's hard to catch up. devil ain't going to let you catch up, not less than you get a hold of Christ, you know, and says, God, I, I'm going to apply myself. Amen. So I guess what I'm saying is that spiritual complacency isn't ever an intention. We don't intend to be complacent, just chill and lay back, do nothing. It just sneaks up on us. See? Miss one service, oh, miss another one. 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 And then it gets easier. That's, and that's what the devil wants. You know why? Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That's why Jesus told Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you were converted, strengthen the brethren. Amen. So, so complacency can, can sneak in on us and... Amen. And the next thing you know, we're not growing at all. So instead of making a New Year's resolution each year, maybe we should sit down with God and set some spiritual goals for the next year to ensure that during the time we're aging another year physically, we will also age a year spiritually. In other words, at the end of the year, I should know more than what I knew before. As the old saying goes, if nothing changes, nothing changes. <laughs> it's in a book some guy wrote but, but but if nothing changes nothing changes amen we've we've got to to grow amen so so make you sit down with christ talk to god just like i talk to you you know praise and god what do you want me to do next year what do you want me to be involved in you know 
I know I got talents. What do you want me to do? You know, and get involved. You want to grow. You know, you're never too old. You know, I, I, you know, you're never too old. Don't fold up your tent too quick. I can remember we had a mule that used to be in the. I maybe I shared this with you. We had a mule that was in the Salvation, not the Salvation Army, but used to be in the Caisson. <laughs> I don't think you. <laughs> I don't think he was in the Salvation Army. <laughs> you guys are crazy, man. Y'all gonna have to move to the back. <laughs> but he was in the Army's Caisson platoon. And he pulled caskets. And so when he got old, the army sold him. And the guy we farmed with bought him. And we used him to ply the fields. And one day my cousin had him in the field. And he was plying with him. And all of a sudden, a funeral procession was coming. And all of a sudden, that mule threw his head up in the air. And start dragging my cousin right across the field. Towards that, no matter how hard he pulled back on those reins, he could not stop that mule. Because that old mule was saying, that's what I have been trained to do. That is my job. Amen. He had not forgot what he was supposed to do. Even though he was old and the army says he's too old to be that way, that old mule says, hey, I can still do my job. Amen. And that's the way we got to do it. We don't get too old to where we can say, I, God can't use me. And, you know, I got a job to do. God has called me for a job and I need to do my job. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's why Caleb at 85 years old could turn to Joshua and say, give me my mountain. I'm just as strong as I was when I was 40 years old when I went into this land to inspire it out. Now I'm 85, so give me my mountain. I'm, still, I'm able to go to war. I'm still to do what God has asked me to do from the beginning. Amen. So don't fold up your tent too quick. There's things you can do. You know, purpose in your heart. I'm growing next year. I'm not... I'm not going to stop. Amen. I'm going to be, I'll let God fulfill his purpose in my life. That's what we want to do. Praise God. Amen. So I want to grow. I want to make sure also that there is fruit being developed in my life instead of being a sponge that is just soaking in and I'm not giving anything out. Amen. I want to give something out. I want, I want to share this. Amen. I, I don't want to be like the Dead Sea. When we was in Israel, you know, the Dead Sea is there. I mean, everything is flowing in, you know, and they're getting all this nutrients and everything out of it and making all these beauty products and all this stuff that's causing your arm and leg, you know, because all that's what it's all doing, all these nutrients just running into it. It's the same concept. If you're just sitting on the pew soaking in, all the God stuff is going in and you ain't giving it out. Pretty soon you're going to die right on the pew, right on the vine. See? Because you ain't giving it out. The more you give out, the more you grow. See? Yeah. You know, you, it comes, it gives, it gives it out. Brother DeMoop was, was in the men's conference when, when I pledged that $1,000 for that guy's church. And, and, and he can tell you the story. If you think I'm lying, he was there, and they raised, what, $2,149. You know, you have a men's conference, and God worked all that out. You know, he'll do it for you. 
You've got to get your faith right where you trust God, believe God. Don't lean to your own understanding. Amen. So notice, you want to be fruitful. You remember when Jesus cursed the fruit tree? What did he curse it for? He had no fruit on it. Look what he says in John 15. I got about 10 minutes here. Look what he says in John 15, verse 8 and verse 16. Everybody there? John 15, verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. By this, y'all men know you are my disciples if you have love one to another, right? And love one of the fruits. Amen. Verse 16. John 15, 16. It's not coming up. Anybody? Okay. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you should ask in the Father my name, he'll give it to you. See, your fruit should be growing. It should always be there. This is why David says in Psalms 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the ways of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law that he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river, that shall bring forth fruit in its seasons, its leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Notice, you meditate in the law, for the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Doing what? Converting the soul. The law changes you. You don't believe it? Go down the road 100 miles an hour. See, don't it change you when the bubblegum banks come on behind you? Next time, you'll slow down. It'll change you. Or you're speeding down the road and, you, and they take your license. See, don't it change you? You know? And then when you get them back, you're very cognizant about the speed limit after that. See? The law changes you. <laughs> and that's why the laws of God changes us. All the law in the Old Testament, a few months ago, we talked about the purpose for the law. You remember that? So the law was our schoolmaster to do what? Bring us to Christ. See? So when we studied the law, all it is is to change us, to make us like God. Because this is what he wants us to be. See? He's our father. We're his kids. We got to be like that. See? This is what he wants. Amen. So he wants your fruit to remain. He wants you to be fruitful in every good work. What is the purpose of this church? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and in increasing in the knowledge of God. Is that too hard? That's God's purpose for this church. That's what he wants. He wants you to be fruitful and, and just know him. And that's what we try to do here, is to teach you so you know him, because everything flows from that. Amen. Praise God. The Apostle Peter addresses two areas that we should grow in spiritually, grace and knowledge. 
Grace is not only getting something that we do not deserve, it is also the divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflection in our lives. See? So God should be being seen in you. That's what grace is. You realize what God has given you freely, and you're just revealing it. Yeah, I used to be a sinner, but God forgave me, and I'm revealing him in my life. I want you to see what God can do. That's right. That's exactly what you're trying to present to this world. This is why Jesus said, let your light shine. That men shall see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, as I heard T.D. Jakes preach one time, somebody said, you did this. Say, so? <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of souls that I, you know, you can accuse me of a whole lot of things. So? But if any man be in Christ, <laughs> he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Praise God. Amen. His divine influence working in our lives. Whereas knowledge, on the other hand, is having a general awareness of possession of information, facts, ideals, truth, or principles in our mind to help us make right choices and right decisions. There are many things we can grow and mature in as believers. But during this lesson, we're going to talk about the purpose for spiritual maturity. Amen. And the first thing is purpose for spiritual maturity is to teach others, to teach others. Amen. Acts 20, verse 30 and 31. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Christ, Jesus Christ, with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Amen. Notice, two whole years teaching about the kingdom of God. He told the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 1, 5, he says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, as you suppose, but is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God righteousness peace and joy and the holy ghost see the holy ghost teaches you how to do what is right it first thessalonians 1 5 i meant uh oh the first scripture was was, was acts uh 28 30 and 31 yeah so you know so we should have the peace of God. He is the Prince of Peace, right? right. Isaiah says in 26.3, he'll keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon him. See? So we should be at peace. If Jesus stands up on that boat and says, peace be still, you know what you're supposed to be able to do? Stand up on the boat and say, peace be still. Tell the calm, tell the waves and everything's coming against you, be still. The devil don't have any power over you. You you give it to him if you want him to have it. Yeah. <laughs> we got to have peace in our life and joy. Weeping may do it for night, but what comes in the morning? Joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. With joy you shall draw waters out of the wells of salvation. You need joy. How many times old folks used to say, devil, you can't steal my joy? 
there are certain things that came with the spirit. So nobody can take it from you. Amen. It's full of glory. And the half has not been told. See? So you got to understand this. So Paul spent two years teaching about the kingdom of God. Amen. And the things concerning Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul was explaining to them the gospel. He was sharing with them that Jesus Christ died. He was buried. He rose again. He was beginning to share with them all the great things that Christ had did and what they could find in him. Amen. And, and if they put their life and their trust in him, how better their lives could be. Amen. And this is what God wants and that they can mature and, and overcome the things. Amen. When you go back and you look at Paul's letters to the church, that's all he's doing is trying and all the apostles, they're trying to get us to mature and grow because the epistles are written to the church. There's not salvation found in the epistles. It's for spiritual growth and maturity. That's why he's constantly said, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? No. They're trying to let us learn how to grow and mature in the things of God. So he spent two years teaching. He goes on, he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He says, the things that you've seen in me. He says, I want you to commit it also to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Amen. And that's why you want to grow. That's why you want to mature in Christ. You know, so you can start teaching other people. You know people. You probably got people in your family. You probably got friends on your job. You got people you contact with coming to you talking, you know, telling you and sharing your problems. And, you know, you're trying to figure out what do, I, what do I tell them and what do I do and how do I help them. You know, you know the answer is here, you know, because God did it for you. And he did it for me. But, see, we have to learn so that we can share, see, so that they are ready to receive it. Amen. There's wisdom and knowledge in all this stuff. So Paul told Timothy, the things you've seen in me, commit thou to faithful men that should be able to teach others also. Amen. And I'm over my time. But we'll pick up here next week. Amen. We're going to be talking about teaching others. We're going to talk about being godly's example. We're going to talk about putting away childish things because we got to grow. We have got to grow. We've got to grow, you know, spiritually, physically, and mentally in this thing called Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Amen.